Welcome and thanks for listening to some chatter to scatter your brain and boredom on the Scattercast. When I was a kid, I had a really bad haircut. Um, and Are you still a kid now? I mean, I do still have a bad haircut. <laughs> but, you know, when I look at uh, pictures of my parents, I feel like they also didn't have great haircuts when they were kids. And it got, yeah. me, got me wondering if there's like some sort of subconscious thing that happens when you're a parent that like you automatically give your child a really bad haircut on purpose. Cause I was seeing some video and like, I was like, this kid has a horrible haircut. Mm -hmm. His parents, like they're an adult. They're smart. They see that it's a bad haircut. Why? Weigh in on I that. think that checks out. I had me and my sisters all had the absolute thickest, just like straight bangs as children. Um, Amen. And we hated it. It was sucked. And not only that, um, it took a lot of convincing from my two oldest sisters uh, for us to be able to finally grow our bangs out because my mom wanted us to have the bangs. Um, and it was not a look. So I wonder why she wanted it so bad. I don't know. I should strange. ask her. <laughs> you should ask her. She can be the first guest. I'll call her up. <laughs> Tony knows what my hair looked like when I was a kid. I was yeah, it was I had bad. The same problem as you guys. I looked awesome. No, you, you didn't. <laughs> no, you I really didn't. didn't. <laughs> had that I've like swish, half swish, half bowl cut look. Ooh, bowl cuts were such yeah, a thing. Yeah, in, like, Sean, you middle really school. Bad. I had that Ole Miss swoosh. That's what it was. Uh, <laughs> it was terrible. I had a mullet in sixth grade. Was. That was even worse. <laughs> I was trying to picture it right now, aren't you? With a mullet. It was really bad. I well, I mean, I just let my hair grow, and it just did that. You didn't trim bad. the sides. I don't remember. I don't know. He didn't do so any of it. His parents had it done, and it was horrible. So I think your dad might might be listening to this eventually. Bob, I'm calling you out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck <fucking> Bob. <laughs> I don't mean it. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that is such a bold choice for a child, though. A mullet? I think it was my decision. I mean, my parents probably could have been like, they probably did tell me like, hey, dude, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was just like, I'm going to grow it out. I'm so cool. Sixth grade kind of blue though. So, yeah. Sean, Sean is really trying to save his skin. He doesn't doesn't want like a like a sad text from his parents to say, oh, I thought you loved the haircut type deal. <laughs> oh, no, they know it looked bad. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> what about you, Allie? I just came out of the womb with really bad hair. There wasn't much you could do. Um, but then it turned blonde and it was cute. But I had the bangs and I didn't know how to take care of bangs. So once my mom stopped doing my hair, they were just... You want to know a really, really embarrassing fact about me? I do. Just as a reminder, I did gymnastics from the age of like 2 to 11. I did not learn how to put my hair into a ponytail until the age of 14. Wow. You've said that before. That Whoa. blows I mean, I don't know mind. how to do that, but... <laughs> hey, wow. Wow, Sean. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's it's not hard. It's really <laughs> not hard. Like Talia, if it makes you feel any better, this is going to be way more embarrassing. Um, I don't find it embarrassing at all, so feel free to laugh. Um, but you know how most people tie their shoes where they do the, like, one loop and then, like, pull it through kind of thing? Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do that. I just do two loops. <laughs> I mean, it works, right? It does. It, yeah. it works, and it's like it's the same speed. But I just never bothered to learn. So there's been occasions where, like, by some you know circumstance, or whatever, somebody's like seeing me tie my shoes, and they're like, "Well, that's strange." I would make fun of you for it. But that's one of the ways that they taught you as a kid. I feel like that's the baby way they teach you. It is. Yeah, I didn't learn how to tie my shoe till like I was eleven. Brother, what? Tony. <laughs> Yeah, well, so my story is I – you remember Coach Mike? I do. So I did uh, private soccer lessons with Coach Mike. And, uh, and he kept having to tie my shoes. Um, <laughs> and he's like, all right, if you learn how to tie your shoes by next week, I'll give you a dollar. The whole week, didn't learn how to tie my shoes. On the way to soccer practice, 
or like my little private lesson, learn how to tie my shoes. He gave me a dollar. Nice. He's a man of his word. Actually, no, he didn't give me a dollar. He didn't because he just didn't have cash on him. But he gave oh. me like a bag of Doritos. Nice. Which is like equivalent to a dollar. He's cool. I like yeah. him. Yeah, he was a good guy. I did a couple. I did some some lessons with him too, and he. Uh, always remember he he called me downtown Shawnee Brown and back around. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long nickname, but I kind of no kind of dug it. That was a really long nickname. Downtown yeah. Shawnee Brown, back around. Yeah, and back around. And back around. We were learning child development last week. And different milestones that kids are supposed to hit at a certain time. And if not, it can be like a sign of different neurological defects and stuff like that. The average kid is supposed to know how to tie their shoes by age five. Five? Five. That seems late. Late? It does seem late. It does seem late. Tyler, you thought it was early? I learned when I was in second grade. I guess I don't really know. (laughs) You were still alike. I was eight. (laughs) Okay, we're close. Dude, eight's way later than five. Yeah. Yeah, but twelve is way later than eight. Okay. <laughs> okay, I might have been eleven. Okay, I I did have Velcro shoes for the most yeah. part. Yeah, and they oh, like. Velcro but shoes. the thing is, I wanted them because I would put the Velcro formation in an X instead of like straight across. <laughs> Dude, so cool. let me tell you, I was the freaking coolest. <laughs> That's why he has so many friends now. That's, That's why, why I'm doing a podcast. People tell us. him that. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I'm telling the world that right now because I'm on a podcast with my friends. I was going to say, the end of the story is Tony still does his shoes like that. He has Velcro shoes and he makes them into an X. Honestly, I have considered just getting some because I I do think they're kind of cool. I would respect it. I honestly would. <laughs> Allie, don't look at me like it. that. <laughs> I would not respect it. <laughs> we're coming on to the end of this year uh, where there's a few months left. And I just want to know, like, what are some things that y'all are excited for uh, at towards the end of 2023? Christmas. We're starting our reproductive block in November, which is the block that I've been waiting for for the past year and a half. This year, I'm excited for that. Yeah, that yeah. is exciting. What what kind of draws you? Like, what is the? I mean. You're, you want to take your career in that direction, but is there anything specific that you're going to be learning that you're really excited for? Yeah, I guess there's, I don't know, just stuff that I know I'm interested in because the patients I'm always most excited to see are the OB patients and gyno mm-hmm. patients. So just learning more about how to take care of them. Awesome. That's cool. Nice. I think you'll do a great job at that. That's really exciting. Yeah. How how long is that like block? It's from November to when? Uh, I think our exam is either the fourteenth or sixteenth of December. It's one of our shorter blocks because mm. the block we're in right now is ten weeks, and then I think that one's five weeks, mm. maybe. I'm gonna be the better friend and give the better answer, which is the wedding. Clearly, that's what I'm excited oh. about. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's not at the end of the year. No, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> By the time this episode comes out, we'll we'll be a married couple. So. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's that's wild. Exciting. Do you have a message for your actually, couple, actually, so? wait, that's not true. No, it's not true. Oh. Is it? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That. No, it, it'll Cut be, we'll, actually, yeah, we're yeah, getting married not. in two days. According to the, the the day this is coming no. out, yeah, no, yeah, no, the schedule is so confusing. Yeah. My episode, the Halloween episode, is the one before our wedding. That's me. Ah, uh, okay. We're getting married in a week and two days, guys. That's incredible. A week and two days. Oh my gosh, we're getting married in a week and two days. <laughs> glad we figured Whoa. that out right off the bat. <laughs> well, thanks, dude. I'm I'm glad you're looking forward to it. We hope we can give you a great time and. You can help us have a great time. Yeah, it's going to be so awesome. Anything other than Christmas you're looking forward to, Talia? Um, I'm looking forward to the film industry finally starting back up um, mm. and hopefully maybe uh, starting a career in that and what I actually want to do. Um, but yeah, mostly just looking forward to like time with people. So like during our wedding and then our honeymoon and then... Um, the holidays and just like first christmas at the king house yeah just because like last year because of my job i was only able to like go home for christmas for like two days 
um, which really, really, really sucked because that's one of my favorite things is being with family. Um, so I'm excited to like actually have time yeah. with family this year. Two families now. Yeah, yeah. two families. Let, let's jump right into some internet people problems on today's edition of Scattered Advice. It's time for Scattered Advice. My theme today will hopefully lead to some open-ended discussions, and it's on school and college. We've done we that. We did that. We We're did doing yeah, that. Yeah, well, I some know. of y'all are, are still doing that. Still, never leaving. Advice on starting and continuing a conversation. And the guy was kind of talking about how he's new to college, and there's someone who sits next to him, and he starts a conversation, kind of dies out, and they get on their phone, and it's a little awkward to try and restart a conversation and, you know, how to make friends. And I think... This is kind of an open-ended thing. You know, we all, we all went through at least undergrad and ended up with at least a couple friends. And so do you all have any advice on kind of starting a conversation, keeping it going without feeling awkward about it? First off, I'd say my biggest thing is don't force a conversation. Like if it's not happening, all right. <laughs> yeah. Which can be tough if you really like want to be friends with that person, right? But, like, that's not the way to do it. But as the, like, age-old advice is ask them about themselves, people really like talking about themselves. So just find something that just, like, a few questions about their interests or something I feel like is the easiest route. And if they're not responding to that, then that's probably a sign, like, that they don't want to talk to you, unfortunately. Yeah. Also, asking them about their pets is always a good one. If they do have pets, people love talking about their pets and showing photos. That's very true. All right, I wanna I wanna kind of deflect from this. And what's like one outlandish question that you would ask somebody in a conversation? If you had to hide a body, where would you hide it? All right, Sean, off oh, the cuff. Sure. Let's go. I don't know. Three, two, um, one. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Go. Three, two, one. Go. You can do it. Uh, if you had to eat a body part, which body part would it be? What the, fuck? the smallest? <laughs> it's an outlandish question, is it not? Yeah. Okay. The smallest one. So, Sean, you can't you can't go with bodies with dead bodies. If you bodies had to shoot bodies. yourself somewhere on your person, where how would do you guys you just come up with these? We're a creative. Brilliant. Actually, I'm a Columbia College Chicago creative. Okay. Oh. Okay. All right, Sean, they've come up with like 15 questions to ask people. What's, what's uh, your favorite color? Um, <laughs> no, that's not outlandish. Okay, that's a pre-K level question. All right. um, explain to me why birds aren't real. That's not a question. That is an order. That's a direct order. <laughs> but it's like a conversation story. <laughs> Do it. The high school teacher asking, saying, my high school students want me to teach them life skills not taught in regular school. What do you think they need to learn before they graduate? And so we're a fair bit away from high school. And I'm so, I'm so, so I'm sure we learned a lot of life skills that uh, maybe we didn't actually learn in high school. And also keep in mind that we might have learned some things in college and not everybody goes to college. Sean, what do you one. think? Personal finance. That stuff is not taught in high school and it so should be. Like, like what just, what kind of degree of personal finance? How like, to budget or what? How to budget, how to open a bank account, what a credit card and debit card do, you know, uh, how to pay your taxes, like that kind of stuff. I mean, no matter where you go or what you do, you need to know that information. I'd argue that a lot of teachers don't even know how to pay their taxes. I'm not going to lie. It's really complicated. Uh, how to write a check. I feel like good time management. Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. I feel like the a lot of these kind of would reflect on skills the teacher may or may not have as well. Are there any other like practical things in life that you think are necessary to learn uh, before being an adult? Yeah, maybe some like good go-to easy healthy recipes that mm. are pretty cheap. Mm. How to eat healthy. Yeah. I'm going to say, I mean, I don't live in a place right now where I have or need a car, but like a lot of people do and... As someone who doesn't know a whole lot about cars, um, I think it's pretty important to know, like, you know, if no one's taught you ever, like, how to change a tire, like, Mm. you know, when what oil changes are and why you need to do them and, like, just car basics. 
Honestly, yeah, I still feel like I need that. I I know I have a basic understanding of how to change a tire, but I've never done it. And I'm scared for the time that like one of my tires pops or something. Yeah. My plan is literally call AAA. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. That's all I have. And also I feel like I'm going to get swindled by car places um, because I'm a young woman who knows nothing about cars. I know how to change a tire, but I feel like I would still call somebody because it's dangerous to jack up your car because mm. it weighs mm. a ton. Yeah. And well, we all had different, we all went to, well, me and Sean went to the same high school, but we all had different high school experiences. Um, and is there something that, you know, you think one of the core curriculums that you just think you are very underserved in? Um, like I would say in the English classes I did, I wasn't really taught how to write a good paper, how to write a good email, things like that, that I think are necessary to know when you're in the workforce, when you're in college for your, you know, schooling in college, things like that. Um, what are some things that maybe you guys think where you were underserved in terms of your primary education? I mean, obviously, like all of us know how to write emails, but like so many people our age and younger do not and that is like kind of a problem when you're trying to be professional when you're emailing even like a professor right um i will say in terms of like subjects maybe this doesn't like quite qualify but i'm gonna say foreign language our foreign language education in america is horrible and like where most other nations start at like really low grade school level we start way too late most people don't retain it um and it's not prioritized you know it's just like oh you got to do a couple credits just to say we did it it's very like it's not good yeah Yeah, i agree with that and then also back to the email thing like i do think that that's a really good one and like not even just emails but how to write like important like not papers but like for example like a two weeks notice or a letter of leave like the things that I was doing like once I got to it I was like I don't even know what to say what am I supposed to say for this I don't know how it works and so I feel like important like notification letters or stuff is something good I would also say along those lines like obviously this stuff is very industry specific um, but like how to make a resume and what a cover letter is and why you should know how to write one. Absolutely. I think um, interviewing skills would be really nice to start learning in high school. And then also uh, like reproductive health, sex ed. Mm -hmm. I don't think it should be legal to only teach abstinence in public schools. That's the education Tony and I got. Yeah, I also got that, but my mom works at a gynecologist's office, so she supplemented it quite a bit. Yeah, I didn't even get the abstinence talk. I I missed out because I took health in ninth grade, and you had to be in tenth grade to do the the sex ed portion. So I just got nothing. You had to be in tenth grade to learn yeah. sex ed. That's a, yeah, that's when we. That's, that's when I did it. Too yeah. late. And I yeah. was homeschooled, and my parents. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't teach Actually, that. <laughs> called it. It wasn't abstinence only. It was abstinence plus. Yeah, something um, like plus that. Plus one. It was essentially the same thing. Abstinence plus. Plus, like the fear of God. It was to the point where, like, our like like school nurse who came to teach that part of the course, like, she was not allowed to like put a condom on a banana. Oh yeah. To demonstrate how to put on a condom. Uh, that's wild. My last point of scattered advice has a very clear relation to the careers Tali and I went to, but I think towards the college experience uh, has a lot to do with you guys, especially you, Sean, a little bit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm going to read this whole thing. Uh, I don't want to go into film, but I can't disappoint my family. I've been at film school for two years now, and I'm on my final year. Throughout this time, I've slowly lost any passion I've once had for it. I don't know what to do because my parents have paid for my education, even though they can't afford it, and I've been pushing down the feeling until now. I'm terrified of what will happen if I tell them that I don't even want to do it after they have put so much time and money into supporting my dream. They have so much hope and so many expectations for me to do something amazing in the film industry, but I realize that I just 
loved the story aspect of it. I've always loved writing, and it just feels right to pursue that. I've been so privileged and lucky to have been able to go to film school, a fact I'm reminded of every day, but everything just feels so heavy the closer I get to completing my degree. Uh, I have two part-time jobs to be able to support myself through school, so it's all like I'm disappointing myself. I feel so spoiled and unappreciative for even thinking this, but I just don't know what to do. So Tali and I uh, were film majors, so maybe we can speak to this as well. But Sean, you got a major and you changed your mind and now are are doing another undergrad. And Ali, if I have it remember correct, you changed your major kind of early on in college as well. So maybe Sean, you can speak to kind of what it was like for you to realize that the original major you had wasn't really what you wanted to pursue how you kind of found what you want to pursue now and maybe how maybe some friends or family, how you approached uh, speaking to them about it and how they reacted. Yeah. Um, so I originally, I, I majored in and graduated with degrees in Chinese and international studies or, uh, or a degree in those subjects. Um, and, but uh, like I'd say about a year and a half before I finished my degree, I realized that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, I was kind of like, you know, you're getting more into the upper level classes that are more akin to like, you, you know, what you might be talking about, learning about doing for a job related to that field. Um, I was studying sociology. I was also studying Japanese. And like the path for me was looking very like research focused. And while all of those topics were very interesting to me to study. I did not want to like every day, like be doing research on them, writing about them. Like that just sounded really horrible to me. Um, and sort of at the same time, I had this growing interest in, um, and I've always loved music, especially game soundtracks. Um, and so I kind of had this, but uh, how do I say it? That was sort of like as a fan, but at that time I was sort of becoming like, like a creator of that stuff and learning more about music theory and composition and like sound design and all that stuff. And so it just kind of, that sort of avenue opened up for me and that I kind of knew like, that's what I want to do. And I had felt for a long time while I was in, especially the Chinese program that like, you know, for a long time I was, I mean, I was like really good at Chinese and like I could have gone on to you know, make a pretty decent amount of money doing something like that most people would consider, I guess, sort of cool with that degree. Right. But I just didn't want to. And so I approached my parents about it and they, I was lucky to have them be very supportive of that choice. Um, I know like this person sounds like their parents really have some expectations for them in the film industry. Um, I would say, like, my parents weren't just, like, blindly, like, yeah, dude, like, do whatever. Like, they were like, okay, like, this is a big choice. You need to make sure you're thinking it through. You need to, like, make sure you understand what this means um, and that, like, it's what you want to do. Um, and so there were, like, a lot of times where they kind of, maybe not a lot, but, like, a few moments where we had, we would talk and I would, like, kind of feel like I had stuff figured out or I thought I did and then they would talk and they could tell that I didn't totally like have everything thought through yet. So they like really kind of made me get my shit together on that front. Um, I would say to this person, like as someone who has been there and I never got expectations, like crazy expectations like that from my parents. Um, They mostly avoided raising me in that way. Um, But like I did get it from other sources. I got it from myself. I got it from, you know, teachers in school, um, your life is yours to live based on what you want to do, not on other people's expectations. And I know that's way easier to like say than it is to like actually internalize. But like, if you want to be a writer, think about, you know, maybe see like, maybe the avenue right, right now is not a total 180. Maybe it's, you know, writing for film or something like that. Right. But eventually like, I mean, I totally, I graduated from college, got my undergraduate degree, went back and I'm getting a second bachelor's degree right now. Like there's not like, 
And I'm lucky to have financial support to do that. I'm lucky to have like familial and friends support to do that. But like you can make it work. Um, and it's so worth pursuing what you want to do no matter what, um, than getting stuck and, and doing it now instead of doing something you don't like and 20 years down the line being like, well, I was right. I don't like this. And then trying to switch. Sorry, that was a long winded answer, but. So Ali, did I have it right that you changed major? So did you always kind of know that you want to go into the medical field? And for you, what was your kind of decision to change uh, your major? Yeah, so I started college as a biomedical engineering major. And my plan was to go on to graduate school and possibly get a PhD in something like immunology. And I liked the idea of going on to work in vaccine research. But then I got into a research lab and realized I did not like doing research, um, which is most of what a PhD and then my future career would have been if I had stuck on that path. So I kind of had two options. I could pivot more into the engineering side and then graduate and become an engineer, or I could pivot into a different field that is similar in the sense that it's a lot of it's based in science um, and biology, which I really enjoy. Um, so I looked at my engineering classes and while I was doing well in them, I didn't enjoy them or the idea of pursuing engineering as a career. And so I was kind of having a little quarter life crisis and my mom recommended that I shadow one of the doctors that she works with and I really enjoyed it. And so also very luckily Paige was on almost exactly the same journey as I was. And she decided to change her major from biomedical engineering to biology. Um, and she like looked into all the credits and stuff for graduation. And I kind of piggybacked with my good friend at the time. And I'm glad that I did because now we're both in medical school and we're following career paths that we're more interested in. So he's talking about like he's finishing a uh, degree and he's realized that he's like slowly fallen out of love. He, he's kind of spent probably about four years in college, you know, based on that to realize that, hey, this is not what I want. Can you talk about, Ali, a little bit of what the timeline was for you to realize, like, hey, this is not what I want to do? And kind of was there a realization and kind of how did you face that? Did you try to force yourself to like it a little bit or, or what? Yeah, I switched majors about a year and three quarters of the way into college. So um, most of the way through my sophomore year is when I changed. So I was lucky enough to make the change earlier. And I could have stayed with the same major and still applied to medical school, but I switched majors so I could graduate in four years um, because if I had stuck with biomedical engineering, I would have had to have taken an extra year in order to get the prereqs um, while still graduating. Did, did you try to force yourself to like what you were doing originally? I did. Um, my parents were very supportive, though, and recognized that I was not excited about my career. And so they were the ones that suggested I look into a different path, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah. It's great to have that parental support like Sean did as well. Yeah. So Talia, we we were in the same film cohort in college. We got both got film degrees. And there's a lot of students in our program that just dropped out. We mm -hmm. started with like 16 and five of us graduated. Um, can you maybe talk about uh, kind of your experience through college? Were there any doubts and kind of what what skill set maybe do you get from film that you could see? this guy or this girl uh, using in a writing career? Um, I personally never had any doubts that I wanted to continue with it just because I, like, I don't know, I just really enjoyed it. I enjoyed all aspects of it. And even when there were people that I felt like were dampening the enjoyment I got out of. I realized it was never like the filmmaking portion that was bad. It was usually the people, which like obviously I'll have to deal with 
people in the industry for the rest of my life because it is always a team project. Um, but that's something that I can live with. And I feel like most of the people that I've talked to who like make it in the industry are usually very kind. Um, except maybe when you get to the tippity top, I don't know. Um, as for like things that they could take into their writing career. Um, I feel like there's a lot. I feel like obviously storytelling is like the biggest one you're gonna need to learn storytelling through filmmaking and through writing and depending on what this person wants to write for it's good to know like what goes into all the aspects after you've written the story um I think it also is a place that fosters being able to take feedback um not everybody's good at that and the more you handle it, I feel like the better you get. And then the last thing is I feel like um, because filmmaking is always a team project, it makes it you really good. It helps you become really good at working with people and planning a schedule and like project uh, management um, and just kind of all that stuff, which I feel like is valuable going into pretty much any job field. Um, and also like they talked a lot about the money issue with their schooling. Um, and I think that sounded like a really big part of like their guilt with it. Um, but I feel like, I don't know, like, you don't want to just, like Sean, I think, said, like, commit your life to something and then, like, a long time later realize you really dislike it and have yeah. wasted a lot of time and money and effort yeah. on it. Then, Money's not coming back, so you might as well spend it well. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. There's different scholarships that you can apply to as well. Um, I know different programs have, like, a fifth-year scholarship where – it's pretty common for students to end up needing five years of college and a lot of scholarships end after four. So maybe looking into scholarship opportunities like that, taking out student loans is always an option. Um, it's a hard one to recommend, but if it's what you need to do in order to get the education that you want for your career, it's definitely yeah. something to consider. I think this really just kind of illustrates that there is great fortune in kind of knowing what you want to do with your life uh, at different ages. And, yeah. you know, people typically go to college right out of high school when they don't really know much about the world typically. And they haven't been exposed to all sorts of careers that maybe they will later on. And, you know, people will want to change what they want to do. So there is a mm -hmm. fortune in that. And I, 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 yeah, I, I kind of wanted to speak towards like the expectation aspect of it because um, I also do film and my parents never put like the expectation like, oh, Tony, like you'll win an Oscar or something. Um, but I started like doing film stuff when I was in high school and I was the film kid at school. You know, teachers and classmates were like, this guy, he's going to he's going to do it big. He's going to bring the name back to Oxford, blah, blah, blah. And when we started the film program, I was like one of the students that the teachers knew. Uh, so there was like a lot of attention upon me and expectation on that. And I kind of, I struggle with that as well because of, because of that attention, I would put a lot of expectation on myself. Like I'm not afraid to admit it. I thought I was going to win an Oscar at the age of 19 just because of like at 15 I was like and people tell me that I should do well and I guess now I thought I was going to be good but I think at that at some point I was like 19 and I was nowhere near winning an Oscar and then you kind of realize that the expectations set on myself weren't realistic but also aren't necessarily what I need to value and so I think whether it's your parents, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a friend, I think you have to look at what do you really want to achieve. Um, it doesn't have to be something that looks good to other people. It just has to be something that fulfills your life. My my expectations and my what I want to achieve now has nothing to do with winning Oscars. 
it has to do with just telling stories in whatever capacity that comes out. And so this person, I think, I think he can kind of level it out with his parents a little bit and say, Hey, you know, there's a lot of pressure maybe, but expectation that, you know, I will go into film, but maybe that's not where my skills are best suited and, you know, figure out what is actually achievable for his, what he's learned. And as Talia said, there's a lot of uh, skills that you learn in film that translate to other careers. Yeah. And he pointed out, or he or she pointed out that the storytelling of film is what got them into it. So I think the transition into an education in writing might not be a complete 180. You might be able to switch it to something that's doable and maybe not eight years, but five or six. Mm-hmm. I also feel like with expectations, um, I think the fact that it's not a complete 180 helps. And I think also, I'm not saying my thoughts well, but basically my sister um, did like completely changed her mind through college. She originally wanted to be like, she was pre-med um, and like halfway through, she was like, I really don't want to go to school for 10 more years. I don't actually think I'm interested in this. Um, and that was, a little that was a hard conversation for her to have with my parents um because my dad's a doctor and like they knew that my oldest sister and I weren't at all interested in the medical field and they were she was kind of like their little hope of like oh maybe she'll like go into something like that um but if your parents you know it depends on who who your parents are but I think she was she finished out her degree, but added to it. So instead of being a pre-med major, she changed it to, um, shoot, I don't remember what it's called, but it's the major where you take three minors. General studies. General studies, studies, yeah. Um, And she had a minor in biology, chemistry, and then business because she realized that she was interested in having like a restaurant or a coffee shop um, and ended up going to pastry school afterwards and now owns a coffee truck. Um, So that ended up helping. But I think like the fact that she still kind of saw out part of her original thing was a helpful factor for my parents. So it Mm -hmm. could be something where instead of majoring in film, they could drop to a minor and then minor or major in writing or something so that it's mm-hmm. not a complete waste of time as, like, they're thinking it is. Yeah. Um, I don't that know. That was one thing my parents uh, were pretty adamant on um, was, like, you know, like, we support you in wanting to do something else, but you're close enough to, like, the degree that you have that you should get it. And they were completely right. Um, I also want to stress to this person who made this post that, like, so you can't already tell from all our anecdotes and stuff like what you're feeling is super normal. Um, the like, I, I don't know, society leads us to believe that like you're supposed to have it all figured out what you want to do for the rest of your life by 18. And like, that's so impossible. Most people don't. And most people figure stuff out about themselves in college, after college, like, that totally changes their trajectory and that's okay. And that's good. I think that was a really enriching discussion. Does anybody want to add anything? That's a good question you picked. I just, yeah, I want to voice my support of you switching career paths. I think if you've had this thought for quite some time, it's for a reason Hmm. you should pursue it. Yeah. Go for well, it. that that's some scattered career advice there too, I guess. The scattered cast <laughs> is on your side. The scattered cast, you always find support for depending. You, you, you might all, actually. not monetary, but not monetary, <laughs> or, uh, but you'll if you find just need moral a, a, support yeah. if your morals are in the right place. Scattered support. <laughs> yeah, scattered <laughs> support. Um, let's move into this week's edition of the scattered pitch. Great ideas. We got them. This is Scattered Pitch. I choose a product and y'all have to create a name, slogan, and commercial to promote it. This week's pitch should be for a restaurant chain 
to feature exclusively on college campuses and should be targeted for that demographic. What do you serve? What's your business plan? And how do you market yourself? We're only open at night because all the fucking food places close at like 8 p.m. That's but good. we would be open. We would, <laughs> And we serve breakfast food, good hangover food, yeah. food to fill your tummy when you're feeling a little too drunk. Mm. Okay. I feel like a cereal bar would be a fun addition. I would love a cereal bar. And maybe like, and this is going to be like, because it's fast food, right? So like kind of breakfast buffet kind of deal. Like you're not sitting down and like waiting for your food to come to you. Like it's just greasy, good breakfast food. Soaks up whatever you've been drinking. (laughs) And also corn dogs. Corn dogs. I freaking love corn dogs, and I have been wanting a corn dog now for a few weeks. I feel like we're just we're making dogs. breakfast cookout. Ooh. Breakfast cookout for campus, but better. But better, which is not a bad idea. Because it has a cereal bar, which is all right. So, how do y'all market yourselves? We're open, bitches. When everywhere else is closed, we're your only option. Come on in. <laughs> Always there for you, type deal. I want a, I want alliteration like something breakfast like collegiate breakfast obviously it's not alliteration but like <laughs> you know what alliteration like, is collegiate word that means breakfast that starts with the same sound back you know? to the high school thing I think the you know the spelling part of your high school education didn't work there because alliteration means that both words start with the same letter I know what I was saying. <laughs> what's another word for bedtime breakfast, breakfast. <laughs> bedtime breakfast that's actually not bad because it's at night. That's good. That's actually pretty good. Bedtime yeah. breakfast is pretty good. Bedtime breakfast, baby. Bedtime breakfast and more. Bedtime breakfast and booze. <laughs> okay. I feel like we don't need to do anything super crazy. It's just kind of down home, like no frills. Like you know exactly what you're getting. The mm, quality is like, like waffle good. House like it's not gross. Vibes. Yeah, a Waffle House mm-hmm. vibes exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Quality's good. It's not like fancy because we don't. You don't want that. It's cheap. Like it's, it's fast because it's a buffet. You immediately you get your food yeah. as soon as you walk in. All get you can in, eat. Sober up. Maybe some options. Mm, as an option. Okay, so options. like y'all got maybe create a combo. Create a combo and uh, tell me what it's called and what's on it or what's in it. What's in the combo? Okay. Breakfast um, creations. Definitely, uh, like breakfast bowls, because you get a lot Ooh. in there, uh, like like a hash brown like bowl or like a skillet kind of thing, but yeah. just in a bowl. Um, I feel like those are really filling. You get a lot of stuff in there, and they're pretty cheap. And it's called breakfast in a bowl. <laughs> <laughs> the breakfast bowl. Where do we want to put oh, it? I mean, definitely like a like a hash brown and egg base. I would think sausage. Sausage for sure. Um, if you want meat, it could. We could have some vegetarian options. Yeah, different dietary restriction, different religious food restriction options for yeah. each item yes we just call it the bedtime bowl bedtime bowl yeah i'm down i like there it there you go bedtime, bedtime bowl, bowl. i unironically that would bang honestly certainly would on our former campus i would have eaten there yeah, yeah. our on-campus options all sucked anyway for the most part tony got food poisoning from the panda express i did and wow. it's i never ate there ever again and it just sucked Jordan went to that place all the time. He worked. I used to like every day. He worked there for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he went there so much after that. I totally forgot that. Well, (laughs) (laughs) says a lot. That stuff like it tastes pretty good going down, but oh man, like the feeling it leaves you with, it sits in your stomach like this awful greasy rock. I've actually never felt that. Yeah. Yeah, you're gluten yeah. free, so you're just, you just suck, dude. It might I be wasn't gluten free when I had that. Maybe uh, that's why. Yeah, that it caught a Pan Express. You're getting a lawsuit here. You you made Sean gluten free. <laughs> I, I will say our McAllisters actually had decent gluten free bread. Well, I think that's a pretty successful scattered pitch right there. Bedtime that, breakfast. Yeah, that was real easy for y'all. Y'all had a lot of ideas on that. We've been to college. I mean, so, it's food. So to y'all listeners, I'll let you into a little secret. We're recording this episode a few weeks in advance because Tolly and I are getting married and going on our honeymoon soon. Uh, So we haven't had a week to actually try and hit a new self-care goal. However, this is a very important subject and I want to have a scattered self-care segment regardless, dude. This is scattered self-care. 
to ward off the looming despair. This week, instead of setting a goal to try and obtain, I'd just like to I'd just like you to share something that you changed in the past for your self-care and how it approved and effect improved and affected your life. Take a trip down memory lane, Allie. You're on the spot. <laughs> All right. I used to be kind of a picky eater. And so this is talking more <laughs> this is talking more physical health than mental health, but they're all connected. So I'm going to go for it. Um, But when I moved out of the dorm sophomore year into an apartment, I started learning how to actually cook vegetables. Because there's this one time when I was younger, I, my parents made me eat green beans and I actually threw the green bean back up onto my plate. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was a physical reaction. That's a bold Um, reaction. That's crazy. That's such a mild food too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I started learning how to cook vegetables the way that I actually enjoyed eating them. And now I really like veggies and I'm less picky. I was never like super picky, um, but now I'm not picky at all. So that's good. My worst picky eater story was um, when I was in second grade, we went to Taco Bell and um, I asked for a taco with specifically no lettuce because I really didn't like lettuce. Um, and there was one piece of shredded lettuce, just one, and they're really short, not even inch, an inch long, on my taco. And it scarred me so much. I didn't go to Taco Bell for eight years um, after that. Well, honestly, that was probably okay. <laughs> I mean, I love Taco Bell, so taco I was Bell's missing recurring- out. <laughs> recurring yeah, stuff it's good it's it is good i'm just i, I just, just had a co-worker i just had a co-worker tell me that taco bell was probably the best fast food chain and i was like i mean we talk, I we're talking about that <laughs> i'm not arguing yeah but yeah thankfully i'm not not picky i'll eat lettuce now well what what is your uh what's something in self-care that you've done in the past that still improves your life today still improves my life today yeah Allie's still dead so yeah. You got a one upper. It's got to be better. <laughs> no, I can't do that. <laughs> um I did just have toast for dinner, so maybe <laughs> <laughs> If you need time to think, I have one. I do. Yeah, you go. Go ahead, Sean. Okay. Mine's pretty simple, but I feel like it's one of those things that it has totally paid dividends that I haven't even realized since I did this thing. Years I so when I was a kid, I was like a sprite fiend man i drank so much sprite like i never was really into coke or like i mean i liked like root beer or whatever but like dude sprite was my bev my <laughs> bev oh, you're i hate when now you it's wine <laughs> i hate it <laughs> um no but for real like i i loved sprite i would have it all the time um and i don't remember when exactly i, did. I feel like it was early high school or like late middle school something like that so it's been a while but I just completely cut all soda out of my life, um, which mostly just meant Sprite. Um, and I feel like <laughs> that's such a, like a s- simple thing, but not having, like not consuming. That. I mean, I literally drink like water, wine occasionally, and like a smoothie, you know, and I would have like orange juice before too and stuff. Like, I feel like I have probably benefited in ways I don't even know by not having Sprite like all the time. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go ahead and jump in because you kind of stole mine. Yeah, I um, it. <laughs> y'all, y'all will probably know that I used to drink like three or four bottles of Coke a day. Very bad. And so once I moved to, uh, once I graduated college over like the course of a month and a half, I, I quit drinking Coke. I quit Coke, guys. Cocaine. Um, <laughs> impressive. Which is actually really difficult because like I would get – really bad headaches and just like sugar deficit i guess and just well, you know cravings too, right yeah caffeine is yeah. crazy caffeine withdrawals gives you headaches i am an adult when i quit because i can kind of realize some of those changes maybe that sean you wouldn't have noticed because you were kind of younger and didn't really, like, really keep track of that <laughs> i know right now but like my appetite like doubled tripled quadrupled really um, yeah, like because I had so much liquid weight in in me all the time uh, that I just I didn't really eat as much. Which or wasn't I didn't full want of to. nutrition. 
yeah and like uh if at any point like Tolly will know like i was trying to gain weight for a long time and so i was forcing myself to eat more and more because you know i got to get those carbs in and whatever but then i would it would just make me feel so sick because i was overeating because there's a lot of like water weight not water liquid weight um so since quitting coke that's been a a huge improvement Mm. is just the ability to actually eat a regular amount of food for my body and you know i've been able to gain the weight that i wanted to gain um and And just general gut health general gut health for sure and my digestive system is so much better that's important so yeah you'll always hear me talking about how how much better my life is now that i don't drink three or four bottles of coke a day (laughs) and my wallet but yeah (laughs) Or your mom's wallet. Or my mom's wallet. Talia, how about you? I did come up with mine. Um, I think my biggest one was, I knew this like as a kid, but it was a lot easier to handle as a kid because like I would get my homework done really fast and have all the time that I wanted. Whereas as an adult, it's a lot harder. And that is finding like alone time and time to be like, I'm very introverted. So to finding time to just like be by myself and like either read something or even just take a bath or just anything that recharges me um has been something that's been really important for me uh I went like a few weeks at some point I've done it multiple times where I like I'll go a few weeks without having any alone time and just like my temper's up, my, like, energy is to the floor, and I, like, just have a really hard time handling any sort of stress, um, so, like, making sure to take even 30 minutes out of every day to just let down and be by myself has been something that's really important to me. Yeah. I think a lot of us can relate to that. We're, I, I, we're all pretty introverted, right? Like, yeah. I definitely agree like that alone time is so important to me is to recharge it took me a while to figure out like the alone time is what I needed because we used to go on camping trips a lot as a kid Mm. and there's no personal space when you go on a camping trip with your family and I would be such a little brat with my attitude sometimes just because I literally had no time alone besides when I was going to the bathroom other times you just you do everything with your family you sleep in the same tent or room or whatever yeah yeah it's hard especially being in like an extroverted world like it's hard like to find a work-life balance when you especially need at least time alone because then you're like well I want to work and I want to have time to be with friends and I want to have time to cook and exercise and I also want time to be by myself, and it just feels like an astronomical amount of things to do. Um, yeah. It's also, I feel it's like, hard. it feels like that's the one we're told to cut out. Yeah, it's not exactly. Like, quote unquote productive. Like, I'm not cooking something or making something or like cleaning something or whatever, right? Or like doing something with people. But like, it's super important for all those yeah. other things and just your well being in general to have time where you're not necessarily doing much of anything. You're just chilling by yourself. I saw. Um, Someone I follow on Instagram posted something one time in their story that was like, it was like, you know, a little meme. It was like, my friend's texting me to come do something um, when I haven't gotten my mandatory eight hours of alone time for the day. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, eight yeah. hours is a lot, right? But like, relatable. Yeah, very relatable. Well, you scatter brains. I think that should hopefully come as a sign of encouragement or a little bit of guidance. I think that was a great uh, scattered uh, self-care over there let's end off the episode with a segment of scattered truth i'm gonna say three facts but only one of them is true it's up to the three of you to figure out which one it is dun, dun, dun. but you can only ask me to explain two of the facts today's category is sports first around on the olympics next around on soccer All right, fact number one for the Olympics. A University of Michigan student has won a medal at every Olympics since 1908. Fact number two. Athletes in the Olympics originally performed 
completely naked. Dope. Number three, Elmo Lincoln, the first Tarzan actor, won five gold medals in swimming at the Olympics. For the naked one, I mean, like in Rome, they would compete naked. I don't know if that was, I don't think that was the Olympics. Is that referring to the ancient Olympics or the first modern Olympics? I think that would be an explanation thing. Yeah, that might be an explanation Ooh, thing. That should be in the question. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could believe the University of Michigan one. Yeah, I could believe all these. Although I feel like the Michigan one could very easily be like, it wasn't five medals, it was four. Or it wasn't Michigan, it was a different place. That's fair. But like, we have no way of knowing that, so I would still vote for that one if we just... What was the it. third one? Elmo Lincoln, the first Tarzan actor, won five gold medals in swimming at the Olympics. I'm going to say that one's a no because I feel like it's maybe a different sport. Or it's five silver medals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... Uh, Do we want an explanation on the naked Olympics? Yes. Sure. All right. The first Olympic Games took place in the 8th century BC. All right. That's I feel all like get. they were completely nude. I feel like they were completely nude. Okay. <laughs> All right. Do y'all want do y'all want me to ex- explain any other one? Um. Um. I would go for Michigan. I'm for Michigan too. All right. Founded in 1817, uh, Michigan is one of the uh, top schools for sports in the United States. With a most recent, recently notable graduate, Michael Phelps. Damn. Okay. There's some there's some Olympics checked off right there with him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is it gold medal? No, just won a medal. Oh, okay. Well, Any medal since the, 1908. The, the third one was five gold medals. Yeah. What about the years where there were no Olympics? Are you counting? Like oh. like during the wars? Yeah. Probably not. Uh, not like a that, yeah, that would just in every Olympic that has taken place since nineteen oh eight. Because they don't do the Olympics every year anyways. Oh. This is true. Yeah. I wanna I I'm personally casting my vote for Michigan, but I know Allie, you feel strongly about naked Olympics. I'm casting my vote for naked Olympics, but I can Talia. understand going a different route. I my hope is on Naked Olympics because that sounds fun, but I feel like it might be the Michigan one. But I'm gonna cast my vote on Naked Olympics. All right. Well, I'll let you know that uh, Elmo Lincoln was was uh, did not win five gold medals. Okay. Um, he was the first Tarzan actor, but Johnny Weishmuller, who I think is probably the most notable uh, Tarzan actor, he did win five gold medals in swimming. And he later played Tarzan in twelve movies, and I've seen all twelve. Twelve movies. Yep, and I've You've seen, seen all twelve. I've seen Damn. all twelve. I don't know you're a Tarzan like, these, fan. These are like old ass, like black and white Tarzan movies. So, oh. so it's down now. It's between University of Michigan or completely naked Olympics. My heart and, is pounding. And I've got to <laughs> let you know that the true fact is that. Athletes performed naked no. in the original Olympics. Hey! <laughs> we did uh, it! What was the Michigan Whoa. one? So the Michigan, uh, actually Stanford has had um, um, really? an Olympic winner at every Olympics since 1908. And Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps did go to Michigan. Oh. Yeah, I feel like you can't lie in the... Yeah, you can't lie in the explanation. Yeah, yeah I just have to like give a, a false... Not like a false, but like a fact that will corroborate... You know, right, trick, right. Trick either way, on. yay! We did yes. it. Go, Finally, I won one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right, the next round is on soccer slash football. So, okay. soccer legend Pele was born with six toes on both feet. Okay. Hell yeah, brother! Unfair advantage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't say if you kept him. Um, number two. A city in Pakistan produces 70% of the world's supply of soccer balls. The world's... Oh, I think you were going to say soccer players. <laughs> no, no, no. The and world's then the third supply. fact... The third they fact, just be pumping out them soccer kids. <laughs> uh, the inaugural 1991, 1991 Women's World Cup had only 45-minute long matches compared to men's football having two 45-minute halves. Damn, hmm. that's weird. 
All right, my my top two are the first and the third one. What was the second one again? Oh, Pakistan. Pakistan. Yeah, I feel like that's way too high. Seventy percent is way too high. I'm okay with hearing explanations for the first and third. Explanation for uh, soccer legend Pele was born with six toes on both feet. The nickname Pele in Portuguese actually means six toes. How? How would Pele mean six toes? Well, I mean, we have to take that as the truth. One word for six toes? Yeah. So they, so they had a baby. Because you can't lie in the explanations. They had a baby who had six toes, and they were like, yeah. We'll name no, them okay, six so, toes. Okay, so the way it works in Brazil, well, in Brazil, like like a lot of soccer players in Brazil, they'll be like, you got Ronaldinho, Kaká, Pelé, Neymar. Those, that's like not his their actual name. That's like their nickname, oh. and they go by their nickname. Oh. So Pele's like legal name is not Pele, but oh, he's known as Pele, okay. and so that's yeah. but like that's how it works in Brazil. So that, that's some that, context that, that I'm adding That makes me feel now. better about his parents. I yeah, know no. Pele in school. I don't know if he had six toes though. Well, that's just what it means in Portuguese. All right, y'all want an <laughs> explanation for the third one? Yeah. The inaugural uh, 1991 Women's World Cup had only 45-minute-long matches compared to men's football having two 45-minute halves. April Heinrichs, the captain of the U.S. team at that time, uh, to co- commented that organizers were, quote-unquote, they were afraid our ovaries were going to fall out if we played 90. It can happen. <laughs> that checks out. Well, that, I believe. I, I would guess that one. Yeah. It yeah. seems plausible. So they played a whole tournament and they just Wait, had 45 minute halves? games. Wait, did they not have halves in I feel like they did. I can't verify that. I can't verify or deny that. Their matches in total were 45 minutes. I bet their matches were probably shorter, but if they were to, the 45 is kind of a giveaway, I feel like, because they probably still had halves. And if they had halves, then it wasn't going to be an odd number. That's my reasoning this for not fair. thinking. It could have been like there. 60 minutes and they had 30-minute right. yeah. halves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say that one's false. Okay. And then Pele, so then six Pele. toes. I feel like, Ali, do you know, is it more medically plausible for him to have six toes on both feet or on one foot? <laughs> it's pretty plausible to have them on both. Is that more or less plausible than just one? I, I don't know. But I know it's definitely plausible. What are you also, even learning? Actually, super common. <laughs> what so. are you even learning? <laughs> they haven't got to the six toes section yet. Come yeah. on, the six toes block oh. is next. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'd rather get that one wrong. Which one wrong? The one we think is false. I'd rather. Which one? one? <laughs> the the women's world cup one. I, I, what are I you feel saying? Like that's false. I'm saying I don't think we should say that one's true. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm on board with that. You s- yeah, you did say it kind of confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep up, guys. Come on. Um, Is it six toes or balls? I could believe. Six balls. <laughs> I could believe the balls. I could believe the balls for sure. I just don't uh, understand do how the word Pele could mean six toes. Why? Well, but... But we know that's true, though, because that's part of the explanation. Tony, can mm-hmm. you lie in the explanation? No, I'm not lying in any explanation. Okay. I really hung up on that for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why you are. I, I knew the- a Pele in school. I don't think he had six toes. It doesn't mean he has was it. Was he Portuguese? He could be named after the soccer player at that point. Yeah. The, the I problem don't with think these two Portuguese. is they, they both have two spots where they could be false. Yeah. Like, like it could be more or less than 70%, it could be a different place than Pakistan. Um, and then it could be like, he just didn't have six toes or like, well, he probably did if that's what his nickname meant, but it could not be on each foot. <laughs> or he could be nicknamed six toes because he uses his feet really well. Or actually that's true. Yeah. Because he's just so good. It's like he has an extra toe. <laughs> okay. I'm kind of swinging towards Pakistan. I'm leaning towards Pakistan. I'm okay with getting this one wrong. I really am not sure. This is a toughie. Yeah, I think I'm I'm for Pakistan too. I'll let you know that um, in the first inaugural Women's World Cup, women played 80-minute matches as opposed to 90-minute oh. matches. Interesting. Um, 
But uh, give starting like, the second World minutes, Cup, give it to they played 90. Yeah, that's um, really stupid. 10 minutes doesn't do so, anything. Yeah. So, and I will let you know, although uh, Pele does mean six toes, that is a false fact. And y'all are right nice. about Pakistan. Two so out there, of two! There, there is a theory that uh, that people do believe that Pele was born with six toes, but the nickname does derive from what Tali was saying, that he's so good that it's like he has six toes. But, so actually, I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about this fact about a city in Pakistan producing 70% of the world's supply of soccer balls. 8% of the city called, I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, but Sialkot. Sialkot. Um, Where is it? Uh, 8% of the city actually works in ball manufacturing. And 80% of the balls they produce in that city are hand-stitched. And so it's a it's Dang. a a lot of the people work there, and it's only women who are doing the hand stitching. A lot of the men work in more in the materials, but what really sucks is that uh, the living wage, kind of to live in this city, is estimated to be around twenty thousand rupees a month. I don't know what that is in dollars, but working every per month, they uh, about making about three balls a day. They'll earn about only 9,600 rupees per month. So, but if you look at it, like soccer is the world's game. It's a huge, huge, like money organization in the world. And so kind of ethically sourcing our materials, like what's the deal here? Why is everything only produced in one town? And why are the people who are fueling this very uh, profitable industry you know, living Being in poverty. Like dirt. Yeah. Capitalism. So, yeah, capitalism. It's just, it's a, it's a difficult thing to think about. We played soccer today, and it's very possible that the balls we use to play soccer, you know, somebody earned next to nothing for that, but they've just kind of slaved away at doing it. Um, so I think percent chance. Yeah, I mean, and generally in life, I think where we. Uh, get some of our materials something to think about where it actually came from hmm. yeah but congratulations y'all got two for two on scattered truth <laughs> i was up yeah, first time like for I'm everything one for two because i voted for not yeah well you suck sean so. <laughs> tolly and ally over hey, here you were one for it's been a great time to be on the scatter cast once again I think all all four of us are enjoying doing this podcast and we'd love for y'all listeners to support us any way you can. And you can do that by following us on Spotify, subscribing to our YouTube channel, following us on any social media like TikTok or Instagram. Everything is at the Scattercast. So just check us out on, on all the platforms that you like to. Keep listening, keep tuning back in and interacting with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts on on the podcast. Um, so I've been Tony. I've been hosting this episode. And I'm Talia. I'm Sean. And I'm Allie. Scattercast. Alright. Yay. I'm really excited Cut about recording. Thanks. <laughs> 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 This cat who test.